All right, everybody, welcome back to the Speak Truth Sports Podcast. I am Bert. And you know, as always, man, it's Trey. And today we're doing a little uh, remote podcasting, uh, so please stick with us through any technical issues. Uh, before we get into this, I just want to say if you're on YouTube, uh, like, share, subscribe, comment, do what you do. If you're listening on a podcasting app, uh, please share us and like us and rate us and stuff like that. Uh, keep an eye out for our website. It's coming soon, uh, speaktruthsports.com, and you should be able to find us on any social media at Speak Truth Sports. So let's get right into this. Uh, so today, uh, there's also timestamps in the description, by the way, if you want to look through the topics we're discussing today. Uh, so we're going to kick it off with the NFL, and then we're going to jump into some NBA. Uh, and there's a lot of stuff to go over in the NFL. So Yes, sir, man. There's a lot. There's definitely a lot. Let's kick it off with the Deshaun Watson trade request possible trade requests it's nothing nothing has been official yet but it's a lot of speculation i mean he is like not talking to the gm so not the gm he's not even talking to the owner right now yeah, so he's not talking to anybody in the front office right now yeah uh i mean this whole situation seems really messy because um as the, the texans owner there you he promised you know his quarterback, Deshaun Watson, that, oh, yeah, you know, I'll let you have a say in these hiring affairs. And he's done the exact opposite. Now, you know, it's the quarterback is never obligated or, you know, it's never up to the quarterback to really have a say. But when you promise your quarterback to have a say and you don't do that, I mean, I think Watson has a right to be upset at the very least. I agree. Uh, I also want to throw in that, like, there's a lot of weird drama going on in the background so all right if you didn't know uh, uh jack easterby i think he's the vice president of like personnel or something there he has a position there but he has never uh before he got that position he never done anything with football he's actually a motivational speaker so <laughs> so wow. I, I there's a video on tiktok that actually explains what's kind of going on pretty well it's by uh their at is 16 game sample size uh, so basically what happens is apparently that apparently Jack Easterby has manipulated the owner to give him control of the Texans. Um, cause the owner doesn't really know what he's doing, I guess. And obviously, like you said, Deshaun Watson was informed that everyone that he requested, all the candidates for GM that he requested, were going to get, uh, you know, uh, interviewed and stuff and that he would get to talk to the new GM before a hiring was finalized. Uh, the owner basically straight up lied about that. Uh, and oh, yeah. he, did this, he did this because Easterby convinced him to hire Nick Casario, who's actually not a bad dude. Uh, he's also not a really bad guy for the job. He's actually pretty decent. Uh, but Easterby convinced him to hire Nick Casario, and he did it without consulting Watson at all. Uh, yeah. And this is this is also like a uh, – apparently this is like a big move by Easterby because uh, – like to stay in power because – he high he got Casario hired, so Casario is probably not going to sack him. So yeah, yeah, apparently it's a lot of it's on Easterby. Easterby is apparently one of the main people like saying to trade Hopkins. Uh, he was he was a lot of people in the Texans like uh, organization or sorry no in the locker room and stuff don't like him. Uh, so yeah, that's a, that's the drama that's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of drama. Uh, I knew another report that said, uh, I think Adam Sheffer reported, I think yesterday, he said that uh, the Deshaun Watson's anger levels are at a 10, which is higher than 
it was when they traded away Hopkins. Was so it's surprising to see him like this upset. Uh, another thing they also mentioned that Hopkins was really upset because uh, he wanted uh, the ownership to you know request to interview Eric Bieniemy, you know the Chiefs' offensive coordinator for the coaching job, and that was they didn't even try to like request it or anything. So um, he just kind of feels betrayed at this point, and he just feels like you know, uh, you know that pretty much he won't get his way and he just probably wants out. And, you know, um, to trade him for the Texans, as much as I, you know, I like Watson and uh, their situation is really bad. Their situation is really bad. I think for Watson, it probably would be best for his career and for that franchise to move forward, you know, separately. I think for the franchise, it's probably a bad move. Uh, but obviously they kind of have to, if, if yeah. sits out games, like there's nothing they can really do at that point. They kind of have to trade him, um, mm-hmm. but they're going to get a bag from him. So either way, yeah. like, it's not going to be, it's, it's going to be bad, but it's not going to be as bad as it could be. Like if he just traded left in free agency or something, uh, who do you think would pursue him? Cause I think like basically all but eight teams in the league are probably going to pursue him. <laughs> Or should there's a pl- yeah, there's a plethora of teams. Uh, I've seen people saying Dolphins, Niners, Colts, Bears, Broncos, Panthers, Lions, and Patriots, uh, even the Raiders. Um, for me personally, I think the three best would be Dolphins, Niners, or Colts. Um, because I just feel like the Dolphins, they took a step in the right direction that I don't think most people even saw them make- making this season. Um, no one saw them being a 10-win team. They still have some solid weapons of offense. Um, you know, obviously people can still improve. Tua's not bad, but Deshaun Watson's, you know, he's already established and he's already – he could take him to the next level. Niners, once they come healthy next year, because uh, this year was pretty much just injuries on injuries and COVID, and, uh, you know, the whole situation with that. A lot of people on COVID reserve and all that. Um, so I think once they're healthy, I think that team could also be good because no, no offense to Jimmy G, but Watson's – much much better uh and the Colts um we saw well obviously we saw with the Bills when they went against the Bills in the playoffs they made a much closer game I think the Colts they're just a quarterback away so for me those three situations would be the most ideal if he wants to go to a win now situation yeah I mean I agree I mean like like I said before like basically every team in the league except for like maybe eight or so teams Mm -hmm. like you know the Ravens the uh chiefs those kind of teams that have a set quarterback yeah. everybody else just needs to needs to pursue him seriously i think the the niners need to go for it i think they're a likely destination i think the steelers really need to go for it uh especially after this past wild card round but we'll get into that yeah and, uh the washington football team i think they could really benefit from having a quarterback uh, i think he would basically you know washington was kind of in the first year of the rebuild this year and they made the playoffs like if this is yeah. the bottom, if this is the bottom, I mean, who knows where Watson could take them? So, yeah, I guess you know it's something we had to look very closely towards uh, towards in the off season. That's for that's for sure. Yeah. All right. So, Doug Peterson was fired. Uh, apparently, Peterson was tired of people telling him what to do. Uh. <laughs> What do you think's next for everybody involved in this situation? Where, where is Peterson going and what are the Eagles doing now? Uh, 
First and foremost, I heard a lot of reports that uh, just uh, Jeffrey Lurie, the owner of the Eagles, um, he met with Peterson and Peterson kind of gave him like his take on what they should do, uh, you know, afterwards, like promoting certain individuals to like uh, other positions and all that stuff. And I heard that meeting didn't go very well and that Lurie was uh, underwhelmed by a lot of Peterson's uh, suggestions and all that. Um, I mean, the firing... I don't know if Peterson should have got fired. I mean, if you look at the stats, they were on the decline. I mean, this team offensively, they're in the bottom half of the league and uh, offensively, they're in the bottom half of the league and passing yards, rushing yards and scoring. And then they were pretty pedestrian on defense as well as they were in the bottom half of the league when it came to receiving yards, I mean, giving up receiving yards and rushing yards. Um, they, they really struggled this year. And if you just look at the time frame, it seems like after after two years after this their Super Bowl win, it just like the record, you know, it got worse. Uh, the team just got worse. Um, but for me personally, I, I think the firing. I think they fired the wrong person, in my opinion. Um, what are they going to go from here? I've seen some weird ones. I think the the Eagles were thinking about bringing back um, Mike Kafka. I don't know if you remember him, but he used to be a former Eagle quarterback. Um, he's currently the quarterback coach over at the Chiefs. And also they're, uh, they're talking about Lincoln Riley, uh, the current head coach of the uh, Oklahoma Sooners and the former coach of Jalen Hurts. So it, it could work out that way, um, but I... I don't know what's next for, for the Eagles and I, Peterson. I mean, I think there was reports saying that he could take a, a year off from football and then maybe in 20, uh, maybe 2022, the, the ending half of 2021, maybe he might consider coming back. But uh, if he wants to take a year off, I, I couldn't blame him, honestly. Yeah, I mean, the Eagles – I'm just kind of – I don't know where the owner wants to go in terms of Wentz or Hurts. Um, I think that's kind of like an unknown that we don't know. Will they try to keep Wentz now because Doug Peterson's gone? Maybe they try to reforge that bond that they had. Uh, or do they just say, no, we're just going to go with Hurts. He's the younger guy. He's looked better this year. We should just roll with him. Uh, it's it's very interesting situation. Uh the Jets are also, I've heard the Jets are very interested in Doug Peterson. Apparently the Jets GM and Doug Peterson have a very good relationship with each other. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to the Jets or if, if he just, if he does just take a year off. Uh, but yeah, the Eagles are in an interesting situation and we're going to have to keep up with them as, as we Yeah. Go. I'm not surprised that the Jets uh, GM wants to possibly bring in Doug Peterson. The Jets GM was the former uh, vice president of player personnel mm -hmm. for the Eagles from 2016 to 2019. So if Joe Douglas being cool with J Doug Peterson, it, it makes sense why he wants to consider bringing him in. Uh, I don't know if Doug Peterson would be the guy we want to rebuild with, but uh, I mean, he couldn't be much worse than Adam Gase. I'll just say that. So uh, it's something yeah. to at least, you know, keep an eye on. But um, I kind of feel like, you know, what, whatever happens for Doug Pearson, I mean, you know, I just wish him the best. He's not a bad coach. He's um, really so I'll see. I can see him getting hired somewhere else for sure. All right. 
let's move on to the NFL wildcard review. So we had a lot of good games this past week. Uh, yeah. let's, let's kick off with the Rams upsetting the Seahawks. Uh, the Seahawks lost 20 to 30. Uh, what do you, what did you see in this game? What, what were the, what were your takeaways? Uh, I mean, it seems like the Rams found their workhorse within uh, Cam Akers. Cam Akers kind of became their Todd Gurley um, when they needed him most. I mean, if you're an avid college football fan or a Florida State fan, you probably seen that Cam Akers is a pretty – he was probably the best part of that offense when uh, the Seminoles – when he was on the Seminoles. So, you know, him being – emerging as a good running back now, I mean – it might be surprising to people who haven't seen it, but, you know, obviously, like I said, if you're a fan of Florida State or college football, you should see this as no surprise. Um, also, I want to say that, like, a lot of people it, uh, came back for this game, um, or a good amount of people came back for this game. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex, uh, um, excuse me, Andrew Whitworth, uh, he returned for this game after he had, a, I think, MCL and PCL injury back in week 10 against as far as the Seahawks. Um, I think also the fact that Jarrett Goff played, um, even though he was not supposed to, I think having him as an emergency quarterback was a really good idea on Sean McVay's part because obviously it was enough for them to, you know, take out the this weakened Seahawks team. Um, I could not really explain why the Seahawks struggled so much, but, you know, just happened that way. This team has not been looking – has not looked good for – for weeks now, um, so them losing, for, I don't know how I don't know if I call it an upset because the Rams did beat the Seahawks early in the season, but you know, it was a good game for for the Seahawks. Yeah, I mean, my notes, or my takeaways are just like you know, Russ played like hot dog water, like it, yeah. was, <laughs> it was pretty bad. It was very he played very poor. He was not looking anywhere close to the MVP caliber player that he was earlier in the season uh their run game just hasn't really looked the same for the Seahawks since basically since kind of Chris Carson went down all those weeks ago it just hasn't really looked the same since their offense in general hasn't looked the same since that uh Pete Carroll flat out I mean he just got out coached I mean Sean McVay was Sean McVay was actually absolutely fantastic in that uh in that game and my biggest issue with the Seahawks that they need an O-line so bad. Like they're, they're Oh my goodness. Yes. They're not they gonna do. get anywhere without it. I mean, the they say like the battle is won in the trenches. So you need the O-line and the D-line are your foundation for your offense and your defense. So you can have like Russ and you can have you can put a bunch of wide receivers and good weapons around him, but if you don't have like an O-line to protect him, you guys probably aren't gonna go to the Super Bowl anytime soon. Like their D-line mm-hmm. definitely got better with Carlos Dunlap uh, on the edge, but their O-line just really – it needs work. They need to work on that, like, a lot in this offseason. Yeah, I mean, it's really bad because uh, going into this game, the Rams led the NFL uh, in sacks per game. So them getting five sacks on Russ uh, should have been no surprise, but it was just surprising to see Russ continuously just have to get out the pocket because it collapsed, like, every single second, it seemed like. Um, I think another interesting thing we should probably bring up is Jalen Ramsey, how well he played against DK Metcalf. They said, um, according to Next Gen Stats, Ramsey shadowed Metcalf for 22 of his 31 routes. 
holding him to only three catches on seven targets for 33 receiving yards. The two catches he did have when Ramsey was not guarding him were touchdowns, but like the fact that Ramsey did so well against Metcalf, arguably their best receiver, was surprising. That's pretty ridiculous. I mean, yeah, Ramsey has really matched up well against DK so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in general, that entire Rams defense was just really – they were hyped up. They were they were ready for this game. The Seahawks were not ready for this game. I think that was – that's another thing. Yeah, Jared Goff said that he uh, – that uh, video of Jamal Adams smoking the cigar after, uh, I think, their win against the Rams, mm-hmm. that, that stuck in his mind. I guess that like, kept him motivated to play him again and – they took him out. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean that's why, like at this level of competition, you can't give any advantages to your opponent at all. So <laughs> any type of slight or any type of bragging from anywhere previously in the season, the other team will hang on to that and they will use that as motivation. Uh, I we'll wish get, someone told Juju that. We'll get into wish, that later. We'll yeah. <laughs> all right. So let's move on to the Bills versus the Colts. So the Bills beat the Colts twenty-seven to twenty-four. Um, this game was kind of surprising. I didn't think it was going to be this close. I'm not going to lie. Uh, with, with all due respect to the Colts, uh, I just didn't think that it was going to, I thought it was going to be more of like a, I don't want to say a blowout, but like at least like a two point score difference in my opinion. Uh, but the Colts defense is absolutely fantastic. Like I have nothing but good, the good things to say about the Colts defense. Phillip Rivers looked pretty good. This might be his last game. Uh, so he obviously wanted to show out. Uh, and you know what? Josh Allen is just, he's incredible. <laughs> like he's, he's going to be, a, he's, he's, I was going to say he's going to be a future star, but he kind of already is a star right now. Uh, and one thing I do want to say as well is that Stefan Diggs has proven everybody wrong this season. And he's showing how much QB and wide receiver chemistry matters. Because obviously he didn't click with Cousins in, in Minnesota for whatever reason, whether that, that was due to the offense that was being run or that was just due to Cousins and Diggs. They just didn't click. Sometimes that just happens. But he's clicking with Josh Allen, and it's showing so much. Just when you watch the game, uh, Diggs is always like – somehow he's always open, and Josh Allen's always hitting him. So Stefan Diggs is really showing how much that chemistry matters – when it comes to a quarterback and their wide receiver. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Diggs, the inclusion of Diggs this season was exactly what the Bills needed because they always needed a primary uh, receiver. Um, Diggs was just the perfect person at the perfect time. Uh, I think they really, you know, they really ride that duo very well. The offense just runs through those two. Um, But I felt like for me, when they came to this game, um, as corny as it sounds, I felt like the Colts – loss like the bills didn't win the colts loss i know it's so corny and so cliche but i felt like the colts um they played i would say in my opinion they played a lot it seemed like they played a lot better than the bills did obviously was enough to win but it was really a lot of missed opportunities for the colts um you know um Phil rivers he slightly throws michael pittman you know, uh, on that fourth and goal, fourth and goal at the end of the first half, which you know they had an opportunity to go up, and I feel like that's when the momentum kind of shifts right there. Yeah. Uh, they missed the field goal. Uh, Blankenship missed the field goal. I think that was, I think that was, was that in the third quarter. I think so. I think that was in the third quarter when they yeah. missed the field goal. Um, 
you know, the failed, you know, fourth down conversion, really that, that for me, that really shifted the momentum because the bills, uh, they score 17 points after that drive. Um, I mean, then it took them a while to call to score back, uh, score again, but I just felt like Phillip Rivers, I know you said he played pretty well, but he missed a lot of opportunities to really, you know. He's played well considering what he's done earlier in the season, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the loss to the, they had the Jaguars is still a head scratcher, but uh, I think as, for as me. As well like as Phillip Rivers can play at this age, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think for me, Phillip Rivers has always been like solid. He's all he's been great before, but he's been like solid as of recent. I just, just his throwing motion still just throws me off personally. It's just doesn't it doesn't look natural. Yeah. Um, but I just think that the Colts. I mean, they really had an opportunity to actually win that game. I mean, it really came down to the last play of the game. Um, I just felt like they definitely shot themselves in the foot with a lot of missed opportunities this game. Yeah, yeah, and the Bills' defense was surprisingly. Uh, it didn't look as good as it it's looked in the past in past games. Uh, I mean, like you, know. yeah, like you said, like if Philip Rivers did just take advantage of those few opportunities, they could have very well lost this game, which is kind of ridiculous. I'm not sure if that's maybe like a little bit of arrogance on the Bills' part, with like you know maybe a little bit underestimating the Colts. Uh, but yeah, uh, let's move on to the Bucks versus the football team. So. The Buccaneers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Washington football team 31 to 23. Uh, I just want to say this was such a good effort by the Washington football team. I mean, seriously, like if you, if you don't walk away having a newfound respect for this team after this game, like, I don't really know what to say to you. Yeah. Honestly, a lot of props to Taylor Heineke, man, that dude. (laughs) I mean, I, I kept trying to tell everybody because they're like, Oh, we should just, they should play Alex Smith. Listen, Alex Smith on one on literal one leg would have not been able to scramble out of the pocket and do a lot of things that Taylor Heineke did, especially that rushing touchdown he had when he dove. That was that was some baby Lamar stuff right there, man. <laughs> that was gutsy. That was gutsy. Especially Lamar did something off that, in the game after, but we'll get into that. <laughs> I know, but for me, I think what was really surprising to me was the play calling. Um that I I've not been a fan of Scott Turner, the offensive coordinator of Washington football team. Cause I feel like the whole season has been a bunch of dump off passes, screen passes, a lot of short passes, but um, it seems like he definitely went into his bag of tricks and um, pushed the envelope alive. A lot of like, you know, deeper passes than I'm used to seeing, seeing uh, this season, honestly, offensively passing wise, this is probably the sharpest game I've seen uh you know, despite the interception that was tipped and, you know, caught by uh, the Buccaneers player. But I think, like, passing-wise, I felt like this was the sharpest I see the Washington football team. Uh, Running-wise, uh, I think ever since that injury, that toe-toe, uh, turf-toe injury that um, Gibson had against the Steelers, he's he does not look sharp. I think that hurt the team. They couldn't really get, like, a, a real running attack going. Um, you know, because JD McKissick, he's a he's a screen back for much at this point. Uh, Peyton Barber is just not as talented as Gibson. I would have liked to see Lamar Miller get some snaps, um, because they did sign him a couple weeks ago, and they just really never like you know gave him the opportunity to play. The guy was he was solid when he was uh healthy back in the days. Uh, the Texans. Um, you know, 
I think also, uh, you know, the defense played, I'll let you say something first. I don't, I don't want to get into the defensive part, but I was not happy yeah. on the defensive side. So before you get into the defense, I do want to say like Heineke obviously is a story of the night. Uh, in my opinion, oh, yeah. I think he, he was pretty on par with Tom Brady in terms of like what their production this game, which is kind of ridiculous to say that mm-hmm. Taylor Heineke is being compared to Tom Brady, but yeah, I mean, the Bucks defense is a little bit worse than I thought it would be. They really can't deal with mobile quarterbacks, uh, and Heineke took advantage of that. Um, and something else I want to say is that Heineke, he did something that I've like, I have not seen Washington do this entire season was that he would pass up open short passes to go a little bit long. And that really changed how the Bucks. Uh, had to deal with them, and that changed a lot of the momentum of when they made their little run to try and tie the Bucks uh, towards the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in the there was also a couple of really bad missed calls. Uh, oh yeah, oh my, yeah. And the refs were not great that night. Uh, but you know, this gives me concerns about the Bucks. I know the football teams are, they have a great defense and stuff like that, but their offense is known for being basically anemic. And also for the Bucks on the offense, uh, I mean, you have Antonio Brown as the third wide receiver and you can barely beat the football team. That's a little concerning to me. It's actually very concerning to me. I'm not even sure if the Bucks are going to go any further than this, but we'll save that for the next part where we go, where we, go over the divisional uh, matchups. Yeah, um, I, I want to get back on the Washington football team's the quote-unquote great defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will note that uh, Montez Sweat got a sweat, uh, tackle, uh, excuse me, a sack on Tom Brady, which was nice to see. Uh, even though Chase Young didn't get uh, any sacks on Tom Brady, De'Aaron Payne got two, and he also had a forced fumble. I feel like you know De'Aaron, De'Aaron Payne was definitely – one of the highlights of that defense that night, but uh, that uh, that night reminded me of why, you know, it reminded me that the, the secondary is still an issue for the Washington football team. Um, Jimmy Moreland gave up an easy touchdown for Antonio Brown. Um, Ronald Darby just could not keep up with, you know, Chris Godwin on that, uh, you know, long deep pass to him for a touchdown. Uh, Ronald Darby and these DBs, they left Mike Evans exceedingly open every single, you know, drive. He'll always be open for some reason. Like, this dude is way too talented to be open. Um, I really want to talk about Darby because he really got on my nerves the most in that game. Um, Ronald Darby, on the regular season, he had, according to Pro Focus football rating, uh, he had a 76 on the regular season. It was, was pretty good amongst, you know, DBs and all that. But in the in the one wildcard game they had, he uh, had a 28.9 rating. And he tied for second most uh, – he tied, he tied for second most uh, catches allowed that we – and he was also the second most targeted defensive back. So the fact that it's just a big shift of, you know – uh, like just where did this happen? Like, you know, how can you go from a 76 rating and play so well in the regular season? You know, cause this is his contract year because you signed on a one-year deal. And then the next year, I and mean, then, uh, excuse me. And then the postseason when they need you to step up the most, you step down. Um, it, it, for me, that's a big concern. Uh, as much as I like Taylor Heineke, 
I don't want them to confuse anything. Um, they still need to get a quarterback and they still need to get a defensive back because those, those are two situations that they still need these young guys to improve in. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, the defense was still – it was okay for what they were going up against. I mean, not many secondaries in the entire league can keep up with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Antonio Brown. That's a ridiculous wide receiver trio. It's the best in the league. Uh, I think they did okay for the most part. I know Darby wasn't great at all. Uh, so I agree they do need upgrades in the secondary. Uh you know, but I think John Bostick did very well tonight. Um, mm-hmm. That force fumble really flipped the momentum of the game. And yeah, man, I mean, they were they were so close. They they this could have been the Rams Seahawks game basically, um, <laughs> and it almost was. So yeah, it, I wasn't. You know, my thing is, um, I don't know. I just feel like for me, I felt like I know you're talking about how the you said the Bucks offense wasn't that. Uh, special to you that night. I felt like the Bucks' offense was definitely the better part of the team. Oh, that night. I mean, For they sure. took advantage of just you know, took advantage of Washington second secondary, uh, and even for Leonard Fournette showed a glimpse of you know the running yeah. back he used to be back in Jacksonville, which they have not seen that in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be I would be concerned with that defense, but they will get, be having Devin White back uh, against the Saints, which would be good for them. Yeah, uh, by that, I, I just meant that, like, for the level of talent they have on their offense, they should have scored more than just 31 that night. Oh, if you're they saying, like, probably, that's it, yeah. Yeah, they should probably be, like, averaging at least 35. Like, it's – it's their their team is stacked. It's the most stacked team in the league on paper. We know, mm-hmm. the game, we know the game isn't played on paper, but on paper it is the most stacked. So they should be doing more, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, let's let's jump to the Ravens and Titans. So the Ravens beat the Titans twenty to thirteen. Uh, why, why don't you go ahead and tell me what, what you took away from this game first? Uh, I was shocked. I was shocked by how little Derrick Henry did. Um, this was a complete opposite of the matchup they had in Week Eleven, where I think I think um, Peter. Uh, excuse me, not Peter. Uh, I think that Derrick Henry had 100-plus rushing yards that game back in Week 11, and I think they won that game, was it – I think they won that game 30-24, to 24, if I recall correctly. I do want to say so that. I, was just, mm-hmm. I do want to say that game, I would kind of throw that out the window because the Ravens were dealing with COVID stuff. That's and, true. like, their defense was completely wiped on in terms of injuries and stuff too. Like, they were literally playing their safety at cornerback at, at certain points. Like, <laughs> It was bad. It was bad. Yeah, but I was like, the fact is, on the paper, uh, I mean, with context, yes, I do agree with that statement. But at the end of the day, they did lose that game. Yeah. Um, but I just felt like, you know, the Titans, it's like their defense didn't even play horrible. Twenty, You know, giving up 20 points is not bad, but it literally could not stop Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson ran all over them. And Lamar Jackson was the rushing attack for the Ravens that game. Um, I'm just, you know, this team does not play well when Henry does not play well. Cause like you mentioned, I think in uh, the first podcast, if I recall correctly, um, this team just starts on the play action. Mm-hmm. Henry runs, you know, gets a good run. Tannehill just like, Hey, let me just, you know, throw it off on a play action. And then they get, you know, big yards from that, but they couldn't do that. They really just had to, 
kind of just throw off off the scratch and off the rip. And I mean, it's just not the offense that they thrive in. So, you know, it makes sense that they struggled in that manner. But, you know, to, to lose like this in a close game, I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking for them. It's heartbreaking. Uh, okay, so I want to get into this. So this is very interesting. This is a very, very interesting game. Uh, so when it kicked off, the Titans went up on the Ravens 10-0. And everyone was like, even the commentators were like, the Ravens had never come down 10-0. Like, they're not a team that plays well, like, coming from behind. Uh, but you know what? They prove, they just prove that they can win while they're down. They can come back and mm-hmm. win. Uh, the Ravens' defense is seriously clicking. Uh, it is it is one of the most stacked defenses on paper. Uh, I mean, Calais Campbell, Yannick Ngakwe, uh, Judon, um, Derek Wolf is very good, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, Deshaun Elliott's been playing incredible this season. I mean, this, this defense is absolutely stacked when healthy, and they've finally been playing like they're stacked. So – uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Derrick Henry, I mean, uh, you could tell their game plan was stop Derrick Henry. And uh, like you were saying, the entire Titans offense revolves around Derrick Henry. Uh, the play action is so important to them uh, that, like, without Derrick Henry producing, their play action wasn't effective. Uh, and the Ravens just it – so, it was so strange, but they were using their fullback as a tight end so they could run, like, two tight end <laughs> and three tight end sets. That that yeah, was Ricard was massive out there, bro. Yeah, I mean they they were basically going back to their offense a little bit last year uh, with like their two and three tight end sets, but they were using Ricard as one of the tight ends basically. Uh, and Greg Roman finally pulled out a little bag of tricks. He finally showed something uh, for the first time this season, I'd say, uh, with some nice <laughs> option plays uh, and just some nice trick plays in general. Um, yeah, I mean, this is just a fantastic win for the Ravens. Lamar can throw. I want to say Lamar can throw. Yeah. Uh, I do want to say this, though. Uh, besides Hollywood Brown, the, re- the other receivers still do struggle to get open. Um, and they do make a lot of drops still. Yeah. That's something to note for next week's game. Um, if they can't get, you know, other receivers going besides Hollywood Brown, I mean, Lamar can keep running and running. But if they want, if they figure that out, I mean – the team's got to figure out who they're going to throw to besides Hollywood Brown because he seems like their only receiver that can catch. Yeah, him and Andrews are kind of – we're the only people really pulling in big catches this game. But, yeah, the Ravens have a big receiver problem. They need another receiver to go along with Brown, prob- hopefully a primary, a primary receiver so Brown can be the secondary, like, speedster. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do also want to address the standing on the field controversy. <laughs> People that didn't watch the Ravens and Titans earlier this season wouldn't understand why this happened. They would be like, oh, the Ravens are disrespectful and stuff. But not only like if you watch the game in general, but also the uh, regular season game. In the regular season, basically unprompted for like no reason, the Titans just went out onto the Ravens logo and just stomped on it and started tra- like trash talking their players. And John Harbaugh even got into a confrontation with them. That level of disrespect, like, you shouldn't be surprised that the Ravens disrespected them right back. Like, uh, I think it was well-deserved on their part. I mean, they they beat them, so now they get to talk the trash. Um, yeah, and, and just, like, even during the game, 
uh, I forgot who it was exactly, but one of the one of the Titans players flicked off Lamar Jackson, and Lamar looked at him and said, "I bet," and then he won the game. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> let the Ravens yeah. talk their talk. They've earned it. Um, it's it's really funny because this Ravens and Titans like little rivalry that's brewing is more intense than like a lot of other divisional matchup rivalries, which is. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely this year. I feel like a lot of divisional rivalries have kind of, you know, took it down a notch. Uh, I just think personally, I think it was poetic. You know, the fact that they they lost, you know, and they struggled in the back in week eleven, and then, you know, the comeback. What it mattered, you know, much more, and you know, proceed on in the playoffs, and then the fact that the game ceiling interception to lead to the Denzel logo. Oh, I think that was just like you know that was that was perfect, perfect ending to the game. Yeah. All right, let's let's jump to the Saints versus the Bears. So the Saints beat the Bears twenty-one to nine, and I'm not gonna lie, I didn't watch like the second half because I had to. I had some stuff in real life to do. Uh, also, it was, <laughs> look, it was kind of boring. All right, so I wasn't like really pushing to watch it. Um, but just from the first half, what I kind of noticed is that like, you know Mitch Trubisky looked decent. He's not horrible. I mean, he's he could be a nice backup, you know, eventually, like when he leaves the Bears. I think he could be a nice backup. Uh, the Bears, I was really surprised that they kept it so close up until the half. Like the halftime score was like three to seven or something. And this game, was, this game was airing on Nickelodeon. And I think this is probably one of the worst games to try and get people into football with, especially with that first <laughs> half. He agreed. Like, when you want someone to get into football, you show them like a more of an offensive game, like a um, – maybe like a Steelers versus a Browns game or a football team game. I don't know. So it was, it was kind of weird that or it, it just was bad for, I, I think Nickelodeon to get that, uh, that boring of a game scheduled. I think the NFL kind of knew, so they kind of threw him a little bit of a bone, but uh, yeah. Michael Thomas, he is definitely looking like he's coming back to being closer to Michael Thomas than he was in these past few weeks. Uh, and the Saints secondary, it's pretty exploitable, man. I mean, Mitch Trubisky was throwing all over them. I'm concerned for their secondary going forward. Um, but yeah, those are my notes for from just watching the first half. What about you? Uh, I mean, for me, it's just the Bears' offense is so nauseating to watch. Um, it just seems like there's no momentum. I mean, the team had really no momentum. They literally lost and then made the playoffs. Um, so the team was momentumless. Um, Trubisky just really isn't their guy. Uh, Allen Robinson's probably his last game as a bear, right? And rightfully so. They underutilized him. Um, I mean, for me, the Bears defense, yeah. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) I want him to come to the football team, so let's see where that goes. Um, the Bears defense seems to always be the bright spot of the team. I mean, you're talking about how they kept him at three to seven, that's because you know it solely was on the Bears defense to really step it up. Khalil Mack was insane. Uh, yeah, for me, it's just, you know, the game kind of came down the way it did because the offense, Bears' offense was so, you know, anemic that the defense was just going to tire out being on the field consistently. Uh, and then pretty much once they got, once they got tired, they gave up points. Um, that's why how I saw when they came to the Saints because the Saints scored like 14 of their 21 points literally in the second half. Um, they just took advantage of the defense always being out there. And, I mean, literally the game plan was just – to beat them slow and methodically, which is not entertaining, of course, like you mentioned. 
but they had l- nearly 40 minutes in time of possession in a 60 minute game. Um, so, or a 60 minute plus game, but um, they had literally just beat them slow methodically. Um, you know, I feel like that was kind of the game name of the game. And that was it for them. Um, the Saints, you know, offensively, they feel like they can do more. Um, it just felt like this game was kind of like, oh, well, you know, it's the Bears. Let's just beat them out slowly um, and then kind of just, you know, go from there. And that's kind of what happened. That was, it seemed like that was a game plan. It was well executed in that sense. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. So let's jump to the biggest, the, the probably the most hype game of this of this weekend. The Steelers <laughs> lost to the Browns. Uh, 37 to 48. Uh, I'm just going to kick this off with Juju just needs to stop talking to reporters for good. <laughs> I mean, like, if anybody asks him any type of question, he just needs to say no comment or give a one-word answer like Marshawn Lynch and move on because he's really not <laughs> helping this team. Like, It's just like salt in the wound every time. It's yeah. so bad. I mean, um, like I said earlier, like the more watching, you give another team at this level, the worse it's going to end up being for you. Like, teams are looking for motivation to get them hyped up for the game, and you're giving it, mm-hmm. you're giving it away for free, basically. Oh yeah, and my thing is, um, people were concerned about the Browns because they, you know, didn't practice because of the of the cases they had and all that. Um, I think actually worked that to their benefit because they actually rested up you know, to be as rested, maybe just as rested as the Steelers starters were. So they had a lot more time to just, you know, get prepared uh, maybe mentally, physically. So, you know, for this matchup and obviously Juju pretty much, like, it's a kiss of death pretty much. And just like they, he set that team up for failure. Um, the, my biggest takeaway of this game, the first half, uh, the first half of the game kind of reminded me of Washington versus um the Browns earlier this season, I think it was week three when they played where pretty much Haskins threw a bunch of picks and set the Browns up for in pretty much scoring position every single time he threw an interception or turned over the ball. Um, first half of this game kind of reminded me of the Washington uh, football team versus Browns game in week three. Um, you know, of all these turnovers that uh, they've been through and then they, the Steelers even had, it kind of reminded me how Haskins – turned over the ball a lot throughout that whole game and just set the Browns up in scoring position every single time. I mean, literally the fumble for the the Steelers had literally gave the Browns a touchdown in this game. Uh, just really remind me of that game. I had a lot of like deja vu. It's just like, it, I just felt like the Browns were literally given so many points um, just based off the Steelers mistakes. Um, so for me, I, kind of felt like this was one of those games where the Steelers, even though they did decent in the second half, it was just they gave up way too many points in the first half to even come back. Yeah, I mean, the first quarter score was 28 to nothing. Like, that's yeah. – <laughs> you're not. I'm sorry, but you, unless you're like – unless you're like the, the Tom Brady-led Patriots, you're not coming back from that. Like, I can't really get mad at the Steelers' defense either because they're literally playing on a shortened field every single time. They're literally nearly in the red zone or in the red zone. It felt like – um, so I can't even get mad at the Steelers defense. They did all they could, but it's just like everything kind of was against them. Yeah. And also, um, I just think that like, even to go off the rushing 
stuff. Uh, I don't think that they even really could afford to run that much because they were down so much early on. Like, it just kind of killed their ability to rush. So, yeah, I mean, this is just a really bad game for the Steelers. I mean, we both said that they were pretenders in the in the, in the season, but, I mean, I didn't think it was going to be this bad. I really didn't. I also don't think Juju yeah. coming back. Or if he does – I don't think he's getting a massive bag. I really don't. I don't think he should get – I don't think they should bring him back. Um, I mean, he's a good player, but he's a <clears> – I don't want to call him a distraction, but he does kind of make the situation much worse when he makes comments like that. It makes the loss look much more embarrassing, um, especially because all oh, the Browns are the Browns. And I just felt like, you know – what was that even supposed to mean at this point now? The Browns had a locker they had a locker room video after the win. Did you see that? They were, they <laughs> the were Corvette, Corvette Corvette Corvette. Yeah. They were clowning they were clowning Juju yeah. like and crazy. If that, if that isn't proof that what Juju is saying really is sticking to the to the other teams, I mean that that there you go. Um mm-hmm. like Juju kinda he's fumbling his own bag right now. Cause he's supposed to get, he was supposed to get paid this off season. Like he, like regardless of what team he goes to, he was supposed to get paid. I think that contract is going down uh, at a, at a massive rate uh, from what yeah. it should have been. Yeah. I mean, it's really bad because Juju had, uh, he played well in that uh, wild card game, but you just won't remember that because you just remember the comments he made and yeah. then pretty much everyone clowning him after they lost. That's all you remember. You don't remember the stats he even had. Yeah, I believe he had over 100 yards. So he, he yeah. wasn't he wasn't really an issue for this game, like in terms of on the field, but off the field, he really did not do this team any favors. Let's move on to the NFL divisional round preview. Uh, so let's kick it off with the top of the NFC. Let's go Packers and Rams. Uh, what is your score prediction, and what are your what are some notes that you have? Uh, for me, with Aaron Donald uh, possibly not playing 100%, and I think golf is not going to be 100% like health-wise, I just feel like the Packers will be able to put away the Rams, not because the Packers will like outscore them like crazy. I just feel like the Rams' offense just won't look very sharp. Um, you know, I mean, even this game against the Seahawks, they weren't, besides Cam Akers, golf wasn't the sharpest. I think he was 9 of 19. And 150 yards, 55 yards, and one touchdown, kind of like a garbage time, I felt like. I felt like the game was kind of out of reach. Um, not out of reach, but, like, I just didn't feel like the Seahawks was going to win at that point. Um, I just feel like, you know, even if they guard – even if Jalen Ramsey guards Devontae Adams for most of the game, I think Rodgers has that ability to just make any receivers look good. So I got the Packers winning 20-10. to 10. Okay. Uh, I also have the Packers winning, uh, but I have it a little bit of a bigger deficit. I have 28 to 17. Mm-hmm. Uh, my thing is that, like, with the Packers, uh, don't be surprised if their defense stops Cam Akers completely, but then they also let um, Harrell, like, go off for, like, 40 or 50 yards on a, on some run or something. The, the Packers' defense – I'm a little bit concerned about with the run defense at least, but you know, mm-hmm. when it comes to a big opponent, they can usually focus on them and clamp them up like they would Derrick Henry earlier in the season. Yeah. I was uh, going to say that too. Yeah. The Derrick Henry point. Yeah. 
Yeah, but uh, just like you said, like with Aaron Donald not fully healthy, he's still obviously a big threat, and the line's mm-hmm. going to be focused on him a lot. Uh, but I do think Rodgers is good enough to beat them. Uh, I also think that Devontae Adams matches up pretty decently against Jalen Ramsey. I know Jalen Ramsey just shut down DK, but, I mean, Devontae Adams' route running is it's ridiculously good. Oh, it's I mean, A1. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's he's one of the best wide receivers in the game to, like, He's a top three, in my opinion. I don't see him getting that bogged down by Jalen Ramsey. Uh, so I do see the Packers really going off. Aaron Jones, I think, is going to be uh, pretty effective in this game in terms of, like, maybe some dump-off screen passes. Mm-hmm. I think that he could really make his money there for this game. Uh, and, yeah, the Rams offense, uh, you know, I don't really believe in it uh, as much. Um I do think they'll drop 17 just because, like I said, like they'll have a random running back go off somehow. Uh, yeah, I mean, my thing is that like originally, so if you had asked me when, during our first podcast, if you had asked me who the Super Bowl matchup was going to be, I would have said Bills versus Rams. I would have picked the Rams. <laughs> uh, just because in my opinion, on paper, they had the least amount of weaknesses. Uh, but now with all the injuries and stuff, I don't think they make it. I also, uh, in my opinion, I think whoever wins this game between the Packers and the Rams will go on to the Super Bowl. I don't, I don't see the Saints or the Bucks making it, in my opinion. Yeah, neither do I. I do agree with that. I do not see the Bucks or the Saints making the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I think uh, both those teams just they're they're missing just something. They're just missing something. It feels like. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on to the Saints and Bucks since we were just talking. Yeah. Uh, so my score prediction for the Saints versus Bucks game is going to be thirty-one to twenty-eight. Uh, oh, you look really close. Yeah, I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a really fun matchup. I know the very first game they had in the season, the Saints blew them out of the water, but the next game was much closer, and I think this game is going to be even closer. Um, I mean, this is just a fun divisional matchup. Tom Brady versus Drew Brees. I mean, there's going to be a lot of offense in this game. I don't think either defense is really stopping each other much. I think the Saints will probably pull it out in the end. Uh, I mean, if Heineke can, like, run over that entire Bucks defense, uh, which they, they just kind of prove that they can't guard mobile, mobile, nah, mobile quarterbacks, if – you know, if they can't guard Heineke, I don't think they're re- they're going to be able to guard Taysom Hill once they put Taysom Hill in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I just I don't see the Bucks really taking it unless they you know pull out some some cheese at the end of the game with a field goal or something. Uh, but yeah, I think the Saints take this game. Yeah, I have the Saints winning as well. Um, for me, I just felt like you know the Saints have had the Bucks number this whole season. Um, I think it was the last time they played, it was the blowout. I think the first week was more competitive. Uh, but for me, I just feel like, you know, if they couldn't beat them in the regular season, I just feel like that's kind of going to continue. I feel like they kind of live rent-free currently in the Buccaneers' head. Um, and like you said, they didn't really play their best or sharpest game against Washington. It made them look very competitive. So the Saints are a much better team than Washington. I just don't see them, you know, doing much. Uh, I'm not going to say they're going to get blown out like they did uh, a couple weeks ago, but I feel it'll be more similar to the week one uh, kind of style of play. I have the Saints winning 27 to 17. Okay. That's pretty good. Uh, Let's jump to the 
Browns and the Chiefs. Now, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to pick the Browns to win this game because Claypool, man, the Steelers just can't top, stop talking. <laughs> Claypool, yeah, they really can't. <laughs> Claypool went on, uh, I believe it was Instagram Live, and he said something along the lines of, oh, the Browns going to get blown out next week. Like, mm-hmm. first off, like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> I I know it's probably true, but like, all right, do you want to see the Browns make the Super Bowl? Like, why do you keep giving them all this motivation? I don't understand. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I picked the Browns to lose to the Chiefs 28 to 35. I do think it's going to be a good game. Uh, I mean, the run game is fantastic. I mean, mm-hmm. even in the, in the Steelers game, uh, in the first quarter, a lot, most of it was just the running game. Baker Mayfield was barely even throwing. Like, the run game was just destroying the Steelers. I think the run game could be very, very effective against the Chiefs. Um, but I, I, my only issue is I don't know for how long it will be effective. Um, and if the, you know, if the Browns do get an early lead, the Chiefs could be in a little bit of trouble. Uh, the Chiefs really need to come out focused, uh, do not like, and not underestimating these Browns. Uh, and Baker needs to step up and show what he's worth. Because without yeah. that, you can't beat the Chiefs um, just by running the football. You need to make good, uh, important throws on third downs and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not like – I don't agree with Chase uh, Claypool. I do not believe the Chiefs will clap the Browns. But uh, I do believe the Chiefs will win. Um, even in their ugly games, Mahomes plays well enough to win. Um, Mahomes doesn't like losing. I don't think he'll allow this team to lose. Just the way he always plays, just he never allows this team to lose. That's probably why he's been so aggressive this season, throwing nearly you know 16 interceptions. He's been aggressive because he wants to make sure this team can you know win. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, this team doesn't really lose at home either. So I, I'm going with the Chiefs, 30 to 21. Gotcha. All right, let's jump to the Ravens and Bills. Uh, Please don't be a homer over this one, man. Uh, <laughs> don't actually, be a I'm homer. Actually not, I'm actually not. Uh, I did pick the Bills, obviously, to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm going with the Bills. Uh, I'm going to go Bills 27, Ravens 24. Uh, honestly, I do think this game could go either way, uh, even non-biasedly. But it all depends on the Ravens' offense. If they don't stay hot from the last game, they're not going to win. Uh, Tredavious White on the Bills will probably shut down Marquise Brown completely, in my opinion. I love Marquise Brown, but I, I do think that's going to happen to him. Mark Andrews, they're, they're probably also going to focus on him. That's going to take away a lot of the offense in terms of throwing for Lamar Jackson. Lamar's going to have to beat him with his legs, but – the problem is this this Bills defense is used to a mobile quarterback running against them because they face Josh Allen in practice. Yeah. So they 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 know what they can do against Josh Allen could work for Lamar Jackson. So I I'm not sure if the Ravens will be intense on the offensive end, but I do still want to give them 24 because look, I mean at the end of the day, they have Justin Tucker. Mm-hmm. And their defense is good for maybe a pick six, pick six or a forced fumble, uh, which can give them good field position, which can lead to a couple touchdowns. Uh, the the Ravens need to rely on their defense, which is dangerous against Josh Allen. Um, but also, I think Diggs versus Humphrey is going to be a very interesting matchup. If if they can stop Diggs, 
they can stop a lot of the Bills' offense, in my opinion, because Beasley is a little bit knocked up. Zach Moss got hurt last game. I'm not sure how. Uh, I'm not sure of his availability uh, in, uh, in this game. Uh, and John Brown did just kind of come off the IR a couple weeks ago. So the Bills are a little bit knocked up. The Ravens like could take advantage of that, but in my opinion, I just really, you know, the Ravens are such a momentum-based team. I think that if they don't get that momentum going, I think they're, I think they're done for against the Bills. Yeah, I had the Bills winning as well. Um, for me, this is a difficult game to kind of decide because both these teams, I mean, to be honest, didn't play their sharpest games last week in the wild card. Um, these two teams did match up in 2019, if you remember last season, and the Ravens won 24-17. Um, the Baltimore held Josh Allen to 146 yards that game, but this is a much more polished Josh Allen, and now he has, you know, Stephon Diggs. Um, I think that alone, I feel like that would, it's much more than it was last year. Uh, the running game would definitely have to be improved for, um, the Bills as well, you know, with Zach Moss injured. I think they signed uh, – I think they signed Devontae Freeman today, actually, to their practice squad. So, that keep an eye out for that. He didn't play too well when he was with the Giants. But who knows what he might do. They're just going to need some bodies out there on the in the backfield. So, uh, I have this one being a very close game as well. I have this one being 23 to 20 Bills. Okay. Um. Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, I'm just kind of happy Lamar got his first playoff win. That narrative can finally stop. It was such a bad narrative. Yeah. It really was a bad narrative. It was definitely overplayed. Yes. It, like, like you can't blame him for his first loss. He was a rookie with Joe Flacco's quarterback. His second loss, it was bad, but at the same time, there were eight drops in that game or so. Like, you can't mm-hmm. win off eight drops. And then they, they finally won. He finally won this third year, uh, like Peyton Manning did, I believe. Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad narrative is over. It, it was definitely like, oh, can you win? If he, if not, they might need to move on. Like, where is this coming from? Like, this needs to stop. Like, yeah. he's like a young quarterback. So there's a lot of quarterbacks who don't even make the playoffs. Exactly. So you know, I, he the team got led to a 11-5 season. Let's relax now. Like, he's a good quarterback. Yeah, you know, but you know, like the Lamar haters. I don't even know how you can really hate the guy. Like, he's a he's a very very humble guy. If you watch his interviews, it's pretty funny too. But the, the Lamar haters won't stop at this. I mean, they'll go on to be like, well, uh, he can't win a Super Bowl. Like, so, like, mm-hmm. until he proves them wrong, then they'll be like, he can't do it again. So, there's always going to be that type of hate. Uh, Lamar's, but now he's proved he can get over that. He can really overcome that. Um, so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this Ravens versus Bills game. Yes, same. All right. Jumping into the NBA finally. So, <laughs> here we go. Uh COVID is becoming a big issue, uh, and we we both are aware of this. The Celtics, the Sixers, the Heat are be, being very affected by this. Um, do you think they should do another bubble? Um, personally, I do not. Um, you know, I don't think there's too many NBA players who were a fan of the bubble environment. Uh, a lot of them said it was took a lot of a uh, mental toll on them. You know, just being it was kind of felt like a basketball uh, quote unquote prison camp. I'm not trying to compare the two like that, but it just felt like they were always, you know, it was just wake up basketball, go to sleep, you know, wake up again basketball. It just felt like it was very like, you know, 
it was very stressful. I mean, they had little things to do also in the bubble, but very limited compared to, you know, obviously everything out the outside world. Mm-hmm. Um, this also, this kind of situation also happened with MLB. I think early in their season, they had a lot of COVID cases. A lot of games were postponed and a lot of games were canceled. But, uh, you know, I just feel like things kind of iron themselves out uh, and kind of works out in the end because MLB, I think they, they, you know, they ended up having the postseason still. They made it to their postseason uh, in a timely fashion. And now they're gonna they're on track to have their uh, season pretty soon as well. So I just feel like you know this happens in every sport. You know, happened in the NFL. They had a lot of their COVID cases. Uh, not in hockey, surprisingly, but a lot of these other. Well, I think hockey was in a bubble as well. But a lot of these other teams, you know, a lot of these other leagues have this, but they always find some way to you know iron things out. They just probably have to readjust their COVID protocols and try to be a little bit more stricter. Which you know I don't know if the NBA players be you know too happy with that but I think they would probably prefer that over going back into a bubble yeah I mean I mean if there's one commissioner I trust to handle this it's probably Adam Silver yeah. uh they a bubble their bubble is kind of like a last resort in the situation I've heard that they do want to they're thinking about spending the season for about one or two weeks uh just to get everybody like just to get the COVID cases calmed down and stuff um it it very well could happen like next week or so go to the nba season strips suspended for a couple weeks um i think if they did decide to do a bubble i think it could be interesting if they did like a east bubble and a west bubble where like you kind of get all the east versus east uh series and games out of the way you get all the west versus west games out of the way uh, and then when they obviously when they come out they both face each other um and stuff like that but yeah i mean i i agree with you i do think it's going to get ironed out i do think it's going to end up being okay um they do have that all-star break they don't have a schedule for post all-star break yet because Mm -hmm. they're waiting to see what games get postponed or canceled so that they can redo them after the all-star break uh so obviously on that like on that end that was a fantastic move by adam silver uh, and I, like I said, I trust him to handle a virus out of just about any other sports commissioner in, the, in any sport, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, there's also one thing I was kind of thinking, I feel like the NBA should have the G League players kind of more prepared and kind of, you know, uh, be kind of ready to like jump in if ne- if needed, because like the NFL has like the whole practice squad situation where they can pretty much activate players off the practice squad if you know, they, need, they need to play. I feel like the G League should be used a lot more in that sense um, because I think the G League still has affiliations with certain teams and stuff like that. So if they really, you know, if worse comes to worse, having, having these teams have like seven to eight players suiting up and then playing the whole game, I feel like they should try to have, you know, try to include some of the G League players because, I mean, yeah, it won't be, you know, the top guys. You won't see like your favorite stars and all that stuff playing, but like, at the end of the day, these games need to be played. Like, they're on a schedule because I think this season – I think this year is the year I think the Olympics are, correct? Yeah. Right? So they want to play in the FIBA uh, – not FIBA is different than Olympics. My apologies. Uh, they want to play into the Olympics and try to, you know, win gold medal because the last time they played in the Olympics was, wasn't the prettiest. Um, so I think they want to really try to keep on schedule. So I feel like if they have to, I think definitely try to include the G League guys. Yeah, I mean that's that's an interesting thing uh, that could be done. Uh, the only issue with that is that 
not every team has a G League affiliate. Mm-hmm. I think a couple teams are still missing out on that. And yeah, I mean, I, I do agree that that would be a very good uh, solution for this is that if you could just straight up call up some of your G League members to actually play the game, it would be a little bit unfair to kind of still make a team play like that. Uh, but it, it is, it is, it's one of, it's one of the solutions you could do if you didn't, if you really didn't want to miss any more games, especially for like post all-star break, you'd be like, okay, well you can, uh, let two more, two more players from this certain team come onto your roster and, uh, play for you. If you don't have seven players or eight players available or whatever the the limit was. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. I know what's it called. Um, the Sixers were not happy because they had to play the past few games with seven to like nine players. While the Celtics, Heat, and the Bulls already had games postponed. Uh, I'm not gonna go on and say what Jalen Embiid saying that the NBA quote unquote hates the process, but uh, I do think it is a bit unfair. I think if they're going to uh, do do something like that and postpone games, it, you know, keep that same energy and do it for the Sixers as well because they're dropping games, you know. Uh, and I feel like it's feel like it's just unfair to them, while you know the other teams are kind of having an easier route about it. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's jump to the weirdest thing on our show notes, uh, dude. Where where is Kyrie? Where where is he? I mean, <laughs> there's apparently the Nets don't even know where he is. He's just off the grid, quote unquote. Uh, so he's set to miss his fourth straight game today. Uh, the day of recording this is Tuesday. He's set, he's going to miss his fourth straight game. Uh, and when the Nets coach was asked about it, Steve Nash, when he was asked about where Kyrie is, he said, I don't have any updates, sorry. And he he also said in a later, in a later thing, he said, uh, I don't know. So, I mean, according to the New York Post, uh, Kyrie Irving's absence could be related to the riots that were going on in uh, the Capitol last week. Uh, but Jason Dumas, uh, who works for the uh, who works for the Bay Area's Crone Four News, he said that sources claim that Irving is just straight up off the grid. Uh, and then I, another thing came out earlier today, actually, where they said that Kyrie Irving was at his father's uh, and his sister's birthday parties and there was a video of him actually being there without a mask without social distancing uh and the and if if that video really is uh if it's confirmed to be recent then that's a really really bad look that is like james harden level bad look for Kyrie. <laughs> he's gonna have to miss even more games because he he's gonna have to go through the whole covid protocol again just to get back to be play just to get back to playing um yeah i mean it's just it's it's been crazy like <laughs> i don't even know how to describe it. i've never it's seen been un- unreal uh for me i just feel like Kyrie is such a selfish player at this point uh i mean he's selfish on and off the court uh there's times when i watch the games where he just dribbles up the court dribbles the air out the ball that's what my dad always says dribbles the air out the ball just dribbling and then kind of wastes the shot clock and just throws a random shot just to, you know to beat the violation um, I just feel like he's also selfish in the sense that, you know, the team needs him. They're losing a lot of games. I think they lost uh, six of the last nine games. Um, you know, KD had to go through the whole uh, quarantine pro- protocol and the health protocol, and he came back and played, uh, I think last night he played, or a couple nights ago he played. 
and they lost. But they, I mean, that team was relying on KD and Kyrie, you know, to be their guys. You know, it's nice that KD still wants to be that guy, but Kyrie, I mean, such a talented player. They need you. Like you're one of the stars of the team. Like they need you to play, you know, also Spencer did what he's out with his injury. So he's, you know, not going to be there for, a, I think he's up for the whole season. Yeah. He's not going to be there. Um, so they're good. They're moving these guys up two spots in the rotation right now. And it's a lot of, uh, a lot of risk of injuries and all the other stuff, because these guys aren't used to the load that they're carrying right now without Kyrie. And Kyrie takes up a lot of, you know, when he plays, he plays 30 plus minutes. You know, these guys aren't used to that much time on the court. Um, they really need Kyrie back. I think this move right here on Kyrie's part is beyond selfish. I just, especially if he's at a birthday party without a mask and all that stuff. Like, that's, like you said, that's a lot more time just not being there. So, I'm, it's just frustrating, honestly. Yeah, I mean, if if any team really needs to be at their full health right now, it's these Brooklyn Nets. I mean, they're not even in the playoffs currently. Um they're sitting just outside and you know as much as as much as I love KD and as like as good of a scorer KD is he's not like a a playmaker he doesn't like elevate the guys around him he's tried to be and he's hey he's actually been doing a decent job this season of playmaking but that's not his game his game is to go out there and score and um you know without Kyrie there to help take the scoring load off of him you know, these nets are going to struggle for these next few weeks while Kyrie's gone. Uh, I would totally understand if he's protesting the the riots or whatever. But at the same time, like, if that was his intention, why is he not announcing that? And why is he not being transparent to his own team about this? His mm-hmm. own team needs to know he's doing this. His own team doesn't even know where he is or what he's doing. Uh, and yeah, if that video of the birthday party is real, if he, um, if he really did go to a birthday party while he was claiming to protest the riots, that's also a really bad look. Um, I just think that, you know, Kyrie's not doing himself any favors right now at all. Um, and in my opinion, if I think any, if any player is going to retire early, I think it's going to be Kyrie Irving. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> He, he very clearly wants to do more than just basketball. He wants to do more than just play basketball with his life. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if in a couple years or so, even like he just kind of announces his retirement out of nowhere. I really wouldn't. He's really seems like he's caught up in other things. I'm not sure how committed to winning uh, for this team he is. And I, I can't imagine the conversations that are happening in the Nets locker room right now. Yeah, I wonder what, if KD knows where Kyrie is because that's his boy. I have I mean, no idea. If he doesn't even know, or I, you know, if he doesn't even know, I, I is kind of concerning. I mean, that's much more concerning. I mean, anything. we we did talk one on one. I mean, before this podcast was even created, uh, we did talk about how there could be a lot of issues in the locker room with Kyrie and KD, uh, just because they're both, you know, like they've they're both kind of a little bit passive aggressive on social media and stuff like that. We were, you know, we were wondering out loud to each other, like, will that carry over into the locker room with them together? Uh, mm-hmm. It, it might be, it might very well be, and this could be, you know, the Nets could end up being the Clippers of the East right now with all this talent, but without the drive and commitment to winning for all from all their players, um, and with all the, the star losses. players, yeah. yeah. 
I mean, I, I feel like if I think we'll go back to a point that you made earlier about how uh, if he if taking this quote unquote hiatus because of the the, the riots in the, at the Capitol, you know, there's definitely much better approaches to that. I mean, D'Lo, D'Angelo Russell made a really good approach, you know, asking all the reporters how they felt about it and, you know, talking to them, having a legitimate conversation. I feel like Kyrie, if he really wanted to do something along those lines and kind of raise awareness, he, you know, shying away from it and taking time away from it to find yourself and all that stuff. I mean, I understand that, but like you can go about ways, you know, you, you're a guy with a big platform. If you start talking about it and trying to raise awareness and all that kind of stuff, it'd probably be better to talk about it, you know, be there for your, like you said, be there and tell your team, you know, Hey guys, I'm gonna take some games away because I have a lot in my mind, and all that stuff, but to just ghost, you know, this franchise that paid you so much money, uh, uh, to, to play basketball and, you know, to just ghost them like this in this manner, mm-hmm. I just think it's childish. I think he needs to mature. I just think that he needs to, you know, step it up because this is unacceptable, you know. But, you know, it's Kyrie. I, I was concerned he would do something like this going to the Nets. Uh, he's been acting a little weird, so I don't know. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with that. Uh, you know, if he was – if he is, like – if he doesn't want to protest the riots, there's, I agree. There are better ways to do it. Take advantage of the time that you're on TV. Like you're not always, I know you're famous. Like, like these players are famous, but they're not always on TV while they're on TV. You can take, you can take that time to, uh, you know, push the message of like, you know, this is wrong. This is unacceptable. Uh, and you can protest in different ways uh, while being on TV. So people see you. Because uh, I, I think that's genuinely a more effective way. Uh, unless the entire team decides to just not play, which is which would burn the owner's pockets. Uh, that could also be another way, but the entire team isn't doing that. Uh, and they tried to, they, they considered doing it in the bubble, but they ended up not going through with it uh, for, uh, for whatever reason. Uh, so I don't think they'll do it again. Um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, all this leads to is I could see Kyrie being traded for James Harden. <laughs> I can see it now. I can, I can really, if, if they become an issue, if Kyrie becomes an issue in the locker room with KD, I could very well see them just saying, okay, you know what? You can have Kyrie here. Like, I feel bad for the Rockets though. Cause I mean, how would Kyrie and John Wall play together? I feel like that would be even, that would be awful. I feel like that would be a really bad. Uh, yeah. Duo. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think it would be that bad horrible of a fit but like you'd have to play john wall as shooting guard or maybe Kyrie as shooting guard and i'm not sure how effective he would be at the like at that position i prefer him at the two because he does not pass <laughs> not yeah. as much yeah okay so let's jump to uh a little bit of a unique segment hold or fold so which nba teams which are a little bit higher than everybody predicted this season which will keep their current standing uh and which will fall off as the season goes on so if you think they're going to keep it uh going to keep like right around their standing you can hold and if you think they're going to fall off you can fold let's kick it off with the orlando magic so the orlando magic are fifth in the east they are 10th in points allowed uh which is defense which is uh least up which should be least points allowed um, and they are 26th in points scored per game. What do you are you holding or are you folding on the magic? 
This is a definite fold. Um, the reason I'm folding on this team is the team has not looked good since Markel Fultz got injured. Um, the team has lost three straight and they scored under 100 points in each of those double digit losses. Um, just too much inconsistency on the offensive side. The team just needs more production from their guards because I think they're, at the moment their two main scorers are uh, front court players and Vucevic and Aaron Gordon. So I feel like this, this Magic's team is definitely going to fold for me. Yeah, I'm also folding. Uh, I think I might have said this last week, but they kind of do this every year. Like they get off, to, they get off to a hot start, and they end up as like the eight seed. Like I don't think they're gonna stay fifth in the East or anywhere even near that. Um, they could honestly go anywhere from like eight to eight to ten, in my opinion. Uh, and they've, I mean, they've lost to like almost all the above average teams they've faced this year. So. Their schedules obviously uh, had a lot to do with their record as of late. Uh, yeah, I'm folding big time on the Magic as well. Let's move yeah, on. I, to... got... oh, okay. I want to say that I got I got annoyed because yesterday I was on social media and I thought uh, I didn't I wasn't watching most of the game, but I thought that the you know, Magic won yesterday because they kept showing the Aaron Gordon poster on on Giannis. And then I saw the score in the game. I was like, why does this why does this matter right now? This dude, yeah. it just got blown out. It was it was not a good good game on the Magic's part. Uh, good play, but not a good game on the Magic's part. So yeah. it kind of was redundant. Was not a very pretty game to watch. Uh, <laughs> let's jump to the Sixers. So the Sixers are currently, uh, as of today, third in the East. Uh, they are sixth in points allowed. Uh, so there's basically six in defense. Uh, they're 11th in points per game. Uh, honestly, I'm folding on the Sixers as well. Uh, I Honestly, their schedule has been pretty cake. I mean, they saw the Hornets twice, the Cavs twice, the Knicks, and the Wizards. That's like yeah, that's very, very easy schedule so far. And they lost against the good teams they faced, uh, which are the Nets, the Nuggets, and the Hawks. But to be fair, COVID has hit them really hard. So that's that that could be a very big factor for why they lost to uh, I believe the Hawks was who they faced last. Um, well, last I, night, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like this team. Like, I, I think they're very improved compared to last year. Uh, but I mean, with COVID hitting them so hard, and with um, a lot of their easy games out of the way already, I think they're going to struggle a little bit. I think they're going to end up probably around fifth in the East, more so. Uh, only because the situation they're in currently, I would have to say fold. This uh, outbreak has this team down bad, but I think once they fully recover, I, I do believe they can hold. And if they were at the third position again, uh, you know, they won most of their games in a pretty dominating fashion. Uh, I know you mentioned the, you know, the questionable strength of the schedule so far, but you know, I think the fact that they have Seth Curry has been very pivotal for him. He's shooting very well. I think he's shooting, I think he has like 18 points per game on like 50 plus percent shooting from three. Um, with Curry and Simmons out right now, the team will struggle uh, to step up. Some of you will struggle as they'll need someone to step up from beyond the arc of, you know, Curry absent. And they're going to need someone to really step up on the defensive side with uh, Simmons absent. And then they're going to miss a lot of genuine just scoring from Tobias Harris, who was playing very well for them which I feel like, you know, Doc Rivers always gets the best out of Tobias Harris. I'll say that. Um, so with a lot of those guys, a lot of their, you know, pieces they need right now out, they will currently fold. But I feel like, like I said earlier, I just feel like once they get healthy and recover from this whole situation, this team, 
I think they can hold, I think hold their own and do well. All right. Let's jump to the Suns. Uh, so the Suns are currently the third place in the West. They have the second best defense in terms of points allowed. Uh, they're 18th in points per game. Uh, and they just had a really bad loss to the Wizards yesterday. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I don't, this is a team I've been really debating upon, but I think, you know, why don't you tell me, why don't you tell me what you're going to do first? I think they'll fold. I don't think they'll like fold completely out of the playoffs fold, but fold as in they are not going to be the third seed in the West. Um, CP3 brings a good veteran presence to this young team. Um, he doesn't really get in the way of the way, uh, in the, get in the way of uh, Booker's play. Um, the defense is good at the moment. Um, but they're going to need a secondary score to Booker because CP3 is just a facilitator as, you know, he leads a team in assists. And Aiton's like their primary rim presence as he, I think, leads the team in blocks and rebounds. Um, they're, they're back. I mean, their secondary score currently right now is Mikhail Bridges, who has 15 points per game. But don't let that confuse you. Um, he had his career high and dropped 34 points against the Pacers, which spiked up his points per game. He usually averages around, like, 13 maybe even less than that um so i think if they really want to you know improve they're going to definitely need someone to step up on the scoring side of things that's why until then until they can find someone to really score i feel like this team will probably fold yeah i agree with that i think they need ayton to step up in that sense i think he needs to be more aggressive when it comes to like his post play uh, they could do with a few more lobs towards him as well. I mean, you know, CP3 is one of the best. He's one of the best passers in the game right now. Uh, I do think that I- I'm going to go fold on the Suns as well. I was debating this up until right now. I'm going to fold on the Suns as well. I mean, the West is just, it's such a close race that they could fall. They could fall off just by losing a couple of games. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and and I do think Chris Paul. I do think he's bound to lose, or he's bound to miss a few games eventually. Uh, he's old. He you know he's kind of injury prone. He'll he'll get some small tic tac injury and miss like five or so games at least. And that'll and that's when the Suns will really have to make their money. Will like, do you believe that they can win those games and keep that momentum going, or will they maybe drop a couple uh, and that that pushes them down to maybe uh, seven or six? in the West. Uh, they're a very interesting team, but I am going to fold in them as well. Uh, let's jump to the final team we have here, the Indiana Pacers. Uh, they're currently fourth in the East. They are 14th in points allowed. Uh, so about league average and defense, and they are seventh in points scored per game. Are you holding or folding? I gotta go fold. I feel like I've been very negative this, this segment, uh, but I mean, they have a good duo in Brogdon and uh, Sabonis. You know, uh, I feel like that's a really good, like, duo to kind of build off. And, you know, Depot, he come, every once in a while, he, you know, drops his 20 plus points, which is uh, much needed for the team. As always, like you said, they're seventh in points scored. Um, defense could improve from the wings, I think. Um, with TJ Warren out with a, you know, an injury can miss a significant amount of time this season. And Jeremy Lamb still out from his leg injury. You know, uh, that wing position has a lot to be desired defensively. Um, Doug McDermott's a good shooter, but no one, it's not known for defense. Um, Aaron Holiday needs to step up. 
he currently starts like right now for the Pacers. He's averaging like 5.4 points per game, 1.6 rebounds and 1.6 assists. I just feel like, you know, his overall play can all can improve if he wants to stay in a starting lineup um, because my concern is if they do switch him out for like, let's say his brother, uh, Justin Holiday, I feel like that takes away from their bench production because Doug McDermott, Justin Holiday, and TJ McConnell are really explosive on the bench and plays very well for the, that second unit. Um, so they're going to definitely have to wait on hopefully Jeremy Lamb or, you know, I guess just Jeremy Lamb because I don't know when TJ Warren will come back in the season, but they're going to definitely need some def- defensive production from their uh, wings if they want to improve or even pull that position. But until then, I got to say, man, they're going to fold. You know what? I'm going to go hold on the Pacers here. Really? I'm going to hold. I, I I mean, I think fourth is a good place for them to land. You know, maybe they go fifth. Who knows? But I think that, I mean, this team just has too many. They have so much talent on their team, genuinely. Uh, I think they could do good with, like, you know, making a couple trade deadline trades uh, that could boost them up. Uh, we'll, have a, we'll have a segment on that closer to the trade deadline. Uh, okay. But – uh, you know, the schedule, you know, it hasn't been super hard, but you know, I do believe that their talent will get them to the fourth or fifth or somewhere around there. I mean, in general, like, Miles Turner is just going crazy this year. I mean, he's I th- he's averaging three blocks a game, I think. I think uh, it's four. Is, is it I think four it's now? four right now. Yeah, at least 4.1. I mean, yeah, he's going, <laughs> he's going nuts. He's going ballistic. Um if they don't trade him, I do think they end up as fourth in the East. I think, uh, you know, the, like I said, like uh, this team just have to, has too much talent. They're seventh in points scored. Like they're very good at getting the ball in the basket. And their league average de- in defense right now. I know they do need wing defense. They need wing help. But, uh, you know, with the amount of points that are scoring, they'll probably gun some teams out as opposed to, you know, dropping games just because of their defense. So, yeah, I'm holding on the Pacers. Uh, I, I do. I'm gonna throw in one more team real quick before we end the podcast. Uh, you know, I was I was teetering on the Pacers uh, on hold and fold because uh, yesterday's game. I, if they beat the Kings, I would have been like, okay, maybe they could hold. But the Kings are a team under 500 and they gave up 127 points. I was like, I felt like maybe they'll probably fold. If they can't beat you know teams yeah. like that because that's like the because the Kings aren't no. I'm not going to say they're a bad team this year. They're playing well so far in the season. Um, but I feel like that kind of – like that, for me, it's like maybe they should have won that game. But, you know, for me, I, that's why I folded on them. Just need them – just needed to see more from them and just didn't deliver last night. Yeah, that was a bad loss. I agree. But the Kings are kind of – they're that young team that, this year that, like, surprises you. Like, you kind of – you don't – you, you you look at that on the schedule and you're like, oh, that's a game we can kind of take off as a as a player. And then you face them and then they start going like 110% at you. And you're like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I was not ready yeah. for this. So that, that, the Kings are really surprising everybody this year with a lot of the, just their effort. Uh, it's pretty incredible. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to hold that against the Pacers too much. But that was a bad loss. I, I, will, I will concede that. Uh, I do want to throw in one more team. Which uh, definitely surprised me, I think. Uh, the Celtics. They're first place in the East right now. Currently? Yes, they're currently first place in the East. Do you think they're going to hold that or do you think they're going to fold? Uh, 
I think, I don't know. I mean, I'm not really seeing a much from the Bucks are, you know, starting to get some kind of rhythm going. Um, I feel like they're the only team that really could dethrone them at the moment mm-hmm. on the east side, on the eastern side. Ah, wow. Celtics are first seed. I think they call me crazy. I think they can hold. Yeah, um, I'm taking the hold too. I'm taking. The I hold. think they can hold because they're playing kind of, kind of lights out. I mean, I'm liking what I'm seeing from Tatum. Uh, unfortunately, he's currently out with the whole health protocol. Um, but I liked what Jalen Brown and him were doing before all that stuff happened. Um, they play very well. I mean, they're getting production from um, people you wouldn't expect, like Pritchard. Uh, Pritchard's Pritchard, been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He's been strangely amazing. He had a game-winning shot a couple uh, a week ago or a couple weeks ago. I did not expect that from him. Uh, I didn't even know who he was until he made that shot. Um, the dude still wears his Oregon Duck shoes. Dude, I mean, the dude's he's kind of a baller. Um, the Celtics, the Celtics always had that talent, though. That's the thing. Like they've always had that talent. Jalen Brown, Tatum's been there for years. They had that talent. Um, I guess they're just maturing, and I just feel like you know. You know, also Taco Fall getting some minutes is good too because he's just yeah. he's just so tall. He's just so tall. It's so hard to go to the rim. When I was watching the Wizards uh, play against the Celtics last week, it was just so. It's like, what can you do? Like, how can you throw up a shot against them? Like, I saw Bert Thompson take a layup and just got just swatted out the air. It's like, man, what what can you do against a guy that's this tall? So I, I like seeing him have some minutes out there. Um, I'm glad that Brad Stevens is finally getting him included into the game plan. I like what the, I like, you know, what I'm seeing from the Celtics. So I, I will, I will say that they're they would hold for now. Uh, I, I do also want to say they're doing all this without Kemba Walker, who's like obviously still been out. So that's that's kind of why I have them at hold. Um, I know they are dealing with Jason Tatum with COVID, so that probably could push them down for a little bit. Um, and the Bucks are right behind them. So the Celtics are seven and three. The Bucks are seven and four. Like the Bucks are right behind them. Mm-hmm. But you know the Bucks are still, you know, they they are still obviously building some chemistry between Drew Holiday and um, Giannis. They're still building chemistry there. Uh, so I'm not exactly, sh- and they they've kind of, you know, the Bucks kind of have gotten rid of some of their depth, uh, trading for Drew Holiday. So you know, I do think the Celtics. I mean, they're just honestly one of the most talented teams in the league. They should be the one seed. So I'm gonna hold on them. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks take it over and the Celtics are the two seed. Like it, they, that could go either way. The Bucks and Celtics, they're going to be one and two, in my opinion, in the East. Yeah, I mean, just from what I'm currently seeing right now, I do agree with that statement because, I mean, the East right now, it's it's pretty close. It's pretty competitive. You know, lose you lose a couple games. You're you know moving in and out of the playoffs right now. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised to see the Bucks or the. Celtics at the one seed, it's really just kind of interchangeable depending on the next few games. All right. Well, that does it for the Speak Truth Sports podcast this week. Uh, Once again, I am Bert and I'm joined by, I was joined by Trey as always. Yes, sir. Uh, If just want to reiterate one more time, if you're on YouTube, please like, comment, subscribe, do all that good stuff. If you're listening on podcast, uh, obviously like, share, and just uh, rate us and review us. if you are uh, interested in following our social medias, you can find us just about anywhere at, uh, at Speak Truth Sports. And yeah, uh, once again, I am Bert. Trey, signing out, man. We'll see you. We'll see you all later next week.